Coming to you from beautiful Boulder, Colorado, and the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought. I don't think anybody's going to hear that. I can barely see that registering on the, <laughs> on the software, on the podcasting side. And I am Masset. And I'm Scott Powell. And we are the Lanky Guys, and we bring to you a show that is entitled The Word on the Hill. From the Lanky Guys. No, wait, that's not part of the title, is it? <laughs> I know it isn't. I think there's great confusion over the title. Are we the Lanky Guys? Is this the Word on the Hill? What? Nobody what? knows that Nobody this is knows. the Word on the Hill. It's all enigmatic. Enigmatic? Enig- we're an enigma. Uh, enigmatic. Wrapped in a mystery. Dude, who, where does that come from? I don't know. Father some, Kevin some used to quote that all the oh, time. Oh, did he? Yeah. I don't know. I thought I made it up. <laughs> Maybe I didn't. Uh, you're a very creative guy. You have some poetry. In or I soul. just think I am. Well, you guys, we love that you're here with us, and uh, you probably are on a commute or jogging or building rockets for the Russian space system. Yeah, Whichever, mean, any of those three that you might be doing. We are really stoked that we get to participate in that with you. And if you're Jen Lozier, I hope you snort laugh during <laughs> your workout while listening to us. <laughs> Was that real? Yeah, it was. Nice. Yeah, it, it was good. I've been I've been ill, and so I decided that uh, ill, ill, and that's how I've been feeling. Now we're so, chilling. So if I blow my nose during this, you please edit it out because it's just gross. I would like, like to do it. this with no edits today. Okay, just so, one take. So today uh, in Boulder, Colorado, we're getting ready for all the students to descend. There's thousands and thousands. There's flocks and gaggles of students descending on Boulder, Colorado right now. And all of our summer peace is being taken away. It is. You can hear It's like you walk down the block and you can hear like bass and dance music just kind of like sporadically and intermittent it's dance music in u-hauls as far as the eye can see <laughs> you posted all that those you did you see that wasn't that a great picture that was awesome i yeah. felt so proud and that tagged. there was three that you couldn't even see in the picture no it was absurd, it was absurd. dude this is u-haul time this yeah. this weekend is going to be really fun that's because that's exactly um that's exactly when um the off-campus kids come back is they come back this weekend oh the off-campus kids yeah yeah, yeah so the so the freshmen aren't here yet and so right. the off-campus kids are like you know no freshmen <laughs> this is the weekend that we always every year get our fence kicked in up at the student center uh, literally over yeah, the yeah. moat yeah we'll, we'll take a picture Wait, that, if it does. what do you mean literally was there a metaphor that, that could have been <laughs> dude i told you i got my fence kicked in i got my fence kicked in man it's like it must be time it's that time again i'm gonna use it as a metaphor dude we got some crazy shout outs yeah, lots I, of them i have to say i just spent a week in um in uh, uh the savannah diocese of georgia yeah and you got some recommendations on places to go did you get that email no. So the uh there was a, a couple last week that I gave a shout out to Holly and Daniel and I yeah butchered their last name. The Gear oh, yeah. Gertens. So they they sent me a correction said it's Gurton pronounced like Curtin. Nice. So I've been actually that's been running through my head all week. Gurton like Curtin. But they also um Holly went to school in Savannah and she gave oh. you a bunch of recommendations and places to go which apparently you didn't do. Dude, well, I was my workshop was like seriously all day long into the night except You may for, have actually got I think this actually arrived the day you were coming home. Oh, so you're cool. Well, dude, it's cool, Holly. So, I got to give a shout out to um to Chris Father Chris Ortega mm. who we were like we were just jamming, we were talking the first day and and uh and Oh, down in Savannah. Yeah, and I sat down and I was like, "Hey, I was, he, I was like, yeah, I'm from Boulder, Colorado. He's like, gosh, Boulder, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. He's like, 
I he's like, do you by chance know Father John Neppel? Really? Yeah, and he's like, I've, I've been listening. I've been listening to uh, Catholic oh, stuff. You should know. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. I was like, well, if if you, uh, he said, yeah, I just started listening to it. Somebody told me to listen, and they were. Like, he's like, I love it. And I was like, well, I said, I've been I've been on it a couple times, and I said you should listen to my podcast, the Lanky Guy. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I was always, and then I was also like, you should listen to ninety nine percent Invisible Radio Lab, This American. Oh, we're Life. gonna get lost in the shuffle of all the recommendations you gave. I know, I know. I told them all the well, best. If you podcasts. make it to this, Father. If you make it to this, it, but then he said he said that uh, he better get one heck of a shout out because oh yeah, I know. So so shout out to Father Chris that was one heck of a shout-out. I think we made a top-down on the sound. Yeah, sorry. We, we, better, we better mute that one. No, it's good. Then I got another shout-out okay. to uh, Father Ben Dallas. Okay. Who? Um, ben Dallas? He's a friend. I went, to, I went to college with a guy named Ben Dallas. Yeah, Francisca. The dude is a legend. Yeah. I went to, he's a priest? Yeah. Father Ben Dallas. I, so, how you doing? Yeah, so he lives in Vidalia, Georgia, which which my dad loves Vidalia onions like nothing else <laughs> in the whole world. So like never heard of them. Yeah, uh, dude, they're like these sweet light onions, or just like mm, they're good. But he like lives in Vidalia, and uh, wow, and uh, and so I got to hang out with him a little bit, and uh, he he teaches industrial he te- gives a guest lecture in an industrial design class, and I was nice. like, I was like, dude. What's up? That's so, totally your cup of tea. Yeah, so I just give him, give him a shout out. He 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 was an AMDG with AMDG. my brother. What with my bro? When was your brother there? I, like he founded AMDG, dude. But I was there when Ben Dallas was there. Well, yeah, it's like an intermittent. Sp- in, in, oh, inter- so he wasn't there with your brother? Yeah, I mean at the same time as my brother. Was I there at the same time as your brother? No, but I was there when Ben Dallas was there. Yeah, but that means that he's not the exact same time as my brother, or the exact same time as you. He was oh, probably a confusing. senior when you were freshman. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that's that's it. So then I'm just trying to see the home. Let me look. Right, right. Oh yeah, and then um, uh, then uh, there's another shout out that I have okay. for Leah, who is going to the convent. Like uh, like Leah. Yeah, she's going to the Alhambra sisters. Whoa. Yeah, so she just like nice. left yesterday and she's like driving on the feast van. So That's awesome. Leah, whoop whoop, you're awesome. I'm so proud of you. That is awesome. All right, I got to give a shout out to uh I got to give a, ta- a shout out to Tom Smith, um who's a mutual friend of both of ours. Thomas Smith. Uh if you don't know who Thomas Smith is, you should. He's he's spectacular. He's a retreat leader, he's a speaker, he's been on EWTN. Uh he's a spectacular scripture teacher and uh I'm just excited that he's actually listening to the podcast. So Tom, he's up in uh, he's got this beautiful ranch up in Idaho. Yeah. Um, which is nuts. It Do, doesn't he do um uh teaching for Great Bible Adventures as well. Yeah, the Great which everybody great Everybody, adventure. it's got to be funny playing working for the Great adventure. the Great the Great American Bagel Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> everybody says the name wrong. The Great Adventure Bible Time World. Time, time so anyway, world. shout out to Tom Smith. Also a shout out to uh well, James Cowell, who we've shouted out on this program, he's up in the UK. Um, he wanted us to give a shout out to uh, a little website called the Marian Minute. And this is actually pretty cool. So if you haven't checked this out and you just go to the website, www.marianminute.org, um, check it out. It's, it's kind of cool. I did it a couple times and it's, it's kind of a neat website. Uh, it gets, gets, you, uh, gets you talking to our lady. What, and this is, all, this is also the thing is that... Um, that uh, David Savage has a I was about to read. <laughs> recommendation. I was going to read that. Uh, yeah, the, no, go for it, man. You, you, no, you have it. I don't have it anymore. I just lost it. Oh, man. No, no, I've, I, I, got, I got it. Okay. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, so David <laughs> Savage has suggested um, that we do some deep thoughts a la Saturday Night Live back in the 80s. Jack Handy. 90s. Jack Handy. So... <laughs> 
If the incidents are transubstantiated, but the accidents are not, then where should I eat this Danish? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Dude, Jack Handy. Dude, me and my brother wanted to make t-shirts when we were younger. It was like Team Handy. Just because like... <laughs> that. That's funny. Well, that's funny. Dude, okay, we got to go. That's real good. Okay, we, we let's, let's jump this, in, man. man. No edit. The week, the week of no edits. By the way, sorry, one more thing just to give it. <laughs> it this isn't a person to give a shout out to, but today we are recording this on uh, the Feast of the Assumption. And today is the 20th anniversary of World Youth Day being celebrated here in Denver, um, which is really cool. So a shout out to our hometown, to Denver. That was the, I think that was the first place where I actually started to realize what the church is. Me too. Um, me too. Pretty profound deal. I didn't. I still didn't get it yet. It took a few years to figure it out, but me too. it was my first real experience. So that was uh, twenty years ago. It's crazy. That was twenty years ago. Twenty years ago that you stole all those signs. I know, dude. I'm guilty about it. I know. I, did I tell him on the program? About yeah, this? yeah. We've yeah. talked about it on yeah. the podcast. Yeah, I, I've told that story a bunch recently because of the twentieth anniversary, and <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've tried to remember if it was the Algae on Tap, if it was here. And, yeah, it's uh, probably been many places. If you don't know the story, you have to search through our archi- archives to find it. Or you can um, go to NPR, uh, not NPR, <laughs> 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 okay. NCR, National Catholic S- Register. They did they did an article on on vocations that came from it, and I was in in the NCR about the science dealing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I wow. gave I gave more information. So than that's I not should've. a secret. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm. I've been waiting for uh, Monsignor Ed Buell to oh. co- to talk to me about it because he organized He's it. Confront you. I want that. I want that moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father Monsignor Buell, if you're listening, confront Father Peter. <laughs> All right, let's get into the readings. We are looking at so it's the 20th Sunday in ordinary time. We are looking at a first reading from the Book of Jeremiah, chapter 38. Jeremiah. <laughs> psalm uh psalm number 40 and we 40. have we bounce around a lot less than usual so psalm 40 verse 2 3 4 and 18 then we're in the book of hebrews, hebrews. <laughs> chapter 12 very beginning and then luke luke <laughs> chapter 12 <laughs> verses 49 through 53 which is actually a fairly troubling passage um so oh, yeah, it's, totally. it's, it's a bothersome it really is bothersome matter Bothersome matter. We'll, um, do it in, in, we'll deal with it in due time. As in an erudite way as possible, given mm. the circumstances we have conceived in this particular podcast. Yes. Very good. So, the reading from the book of Jeremiah. A couple things about Jeremiah. A little, little hold bit. On, of, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, did we get through all of our numbers? Yeah, we finished with Luke, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Troublesome I said, Luke. I said, I said Luke. 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 49 through 53. Okay, Jeremiah. Yeah, so Jeremiah. Um, Hold on, wait, what is a cistern? Like, because I have these two concepts about what a cistern is. The oh, first right. concept that I have about what a cistern is is that it's like a, a sewage dump, basically. Yeah. But then the other concept of a cistern is a place where um, water is gathered, where you would go. Water. Water. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, that's a water from word to say. No, um, <laughs> water is gathered while it rains. So is it a sewer or is it water gathering? I think it's actually both because remember in the ancient world the sewer system was basically just the the gutters like in there it was the same thing. I mean, what would you do in the ancient world if you you had your your um your little toilet uh-huh. and what did you do with your toilet? You just dumped it basically into the gutter in the streets. And so what the same thing that caught the rain would catch the poo poo. And it would gather all together. I, I I always assume it's sort of the same thing in the sewage systems in the ancient world. Nobody makes me drink my own blood, Le Fleur. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't either. I do know that it, actually the the previous chapter in chapter thirty seven. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dude, hold on. I have that, a huge that, that, point. That has to be edited out. 
Because I, I misquoted it. Is it. Did you cuss? No, then no. Then we don't have to edit it. No, Let's just do the one a, shot. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood, LaFleur. That's all there is to it. Okay, now I'm done. Now make your point. What is that? What are you talking? Do I have to edit that? No. Can I leave it? Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say in the previous chapter, the book of Jeremiah uses the, the same Hebrew word for sister and is actually uh, used to describe a dungeon. Oh. In the previous chapter, so for whatever that's worth, um, that's really not that great of a point. Is, isn't that? It wasn't Joseph thrown into a, an, uh, an empty cistern? Yeah, it's the same word that's used. And, I don't know what the Hebrew word is, but and, it's. And Jesus says they build cisterns for themselves that hold no water. Oh, he does. You're right in one of the parables. Yeah, so in Luke, I think. Yeah, so that's where I'm. Uh, that's where I'm going. Like, it, like I, I don't. I'm not sure that it's it's a sewer. Sorry. I don't know. I, I'm 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 wary of it being a sewer because we we start I don't, to talk about Myers. See, some I have this thing where I sometimes will start to talk about things like I know exactly what I'm speaking of, and I I don't. Okay. I don't really know what a cistern is. I bet Wikipedia would though. Do you know what a brother is? <laughs> a what? Brother versus a cistern. Oh, uh, seriously, that's awful. I know. I'm trying not to make us edit, but uh, you know, sometimes you need some jokes. Well, it, yeah. As long as as long as we don't swear, <laughs> we don't have to edit. <laughs> that's gonna be my policy today. <laughs> yeah, cistern. You can Google image cistern and get a lot of different pictures that are, <laughs> that are useless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So Jeremiah is thrown to the cistern. So a quick word about Jeremiah. What's going on, in Jeremiah? Jeremiah is a really profound prophetic book of the Old Testament because it actually spans this huge period of time when uh, the people of God, the nation of Israel, has fallen to this tremendous sin. He's, he's coming right after uh, Isaiah, um, a contemporary of Ezekiel. So he's kind of right in the ballpark of all these other prophets. But he's going around, he's prophesying against the city of Jerusalem, saying what you're doing, what you've become, you are not the people of God, or you are the people of God, but you've turned from, you've turned from uh, being that. You've abandoned the covenant, you've broken these laws, you're worshiping idols, you've become the kind of people that are an eyesore to the nations, and so there's punishment coming if you don't change your ways. And there's a point in the book of Jeremiah where um, he, he he's giving if-then statements for most of the book. If you don't change, then there will be punishment. If you repent, then you'll be okay. Uh, there's a point where that stops, and it basically just says, okay, this is going to happen. This is getting pretty bad. Jesus leans on the book of Jeremiah a lot in the Gospels. Um, there's a passage in the gospel. Well, I think all three synoptic gospels have a version of it, but where Jesus, you know, goes and rails against the temple and says, you've made this place a den of robbers, a den of thieves. Yeah. That's a direct quote from Jeremiah. So Jeremiah in chapter seven was called to go and speak against the temple and say, you've become a den of robbers and a den of thieves. And so the things that are going on in the time of Jesus are really similar to what's happening in the time of, of Jeremiah. So here's the nutshell. People don't like what Jeremiah has to say. He's going, he's, he's, I mean, he had one of the worst jobs as a prophet, I think, of anybody because (laughs) they just did not want to hear. And he actually, it's tragic. He lives to see the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. Mm. He sees it go down. So he sees all these things come to fruition and it's recorded in his book. We pick up the story in chapter 38. So he's been railing against Jerusalem and against the leadership and saying, look, you've become this terrible reality. You, you, you know, you've become a den of robbers and thieves. The shepherds are, are, well, this is quoting Ezekiel, but, you know, basically saying the shepherds are devouring their flock. You know, you've become awful. And he's warning him against it. There's this schema in the book of Jeremiah that's interesting in this, this passage where we are. In chapter 36, um, there's a section where the, the scroll, the word of God, is presented to the leaders, and they destroy the scroll. 
and they, uh, they, they reject it and they destroy it. Here in chapter 38, they actually take then the messenger, Jeremiah, and they try to destroy him. And they throw him into this well, into, this, into the cistern. So he's thrown into the cistern. But again, what he's actually doing is embodying the message of what's happening. What's happening to him is going to happen to Jerusalem, is going to happen to the king. So, so, what, so what was happening to the, to the word of the Lord happens to him and then happens to Jerusalem. Exactly. So he's foreshadowing all of this. Whoa. So the, the same way he is sort of imprisoned and thrown into this pit and, uh, you know, in, enslaved is going to happen to the king of Jerusalem, the king who he's actually prophesying against and the whole city itself. So he's embodying precisely what's going to happen. It's a pretty eerie, uh, it's a pretty eerie vision. But there, there's actually some hope at the end. Toward the end of the reading, there's this guy named Ibed-Melech, um, which the name Ibed-Melech simply means the king's servant. Melech, remember Melchizedek? Yeah. Um, Melchi is a version of the word the king. So th- this King, is, I don't see that very much in the baby naming um, websites. Melche. Oh, little Melachi. Melachi. <laughs> hey, little Melachi. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, you don't see it as much. As much. But he, he, it's kind of beautiful. He kind of comes to his senses, and he, he's saying, um, he, it's actually. Let me read what he says. Uh, it says, "Ibed Melach Kushite." Um, actually it's verse eight. Ibed-Melech went out of the palace and he said to them, my Lord and the King, these men have acted wickedly and all they have done to Jeremiah, the prophet, they've thrown him into a cistern where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. In Hebrew, it literally says when there was no longer any food in the city. And what's interesting about what he says there. So it's a little, it's, um, you know, he's, there's some hope. One of the things about the biblical stories, as bleak as things seem, there's always a ray of light somewhere. There's always a righteous remnant where people are like, wait a second, something not right is going on here. So there's always some hope. But what's interesting about this guy is that he's actually prophesying directly what's going to happen to Jerusalem. They are all going to starve because the Babylonians are going to cut off their food supply. And so like Jeremiah and the cistern who's cut off from the bread and from the food, that's all. Everything that uh, Ebed-Melech actually says about Jeremiah is going to happen to them. Here's my question. Um, I, man, I'm trying to dig in my brain. Um, is Jeremiah <laughs> the the one where he didn't he have to like bury some underwear and then go and put it on again as a prophetic action? Do you, do you remember what I'm talking about? I don't. What, what I was don't it Ezekiel? <laughs> it was. It was either. It sounds like Ezekiel. It sounds like Ezekiel, but it but it may be Jeremiah. Gosh, if it's Jeremiah, bury his underwear. You don't remember this? Do you remember where he the, he says go put your underwear in a rock and let it rot? And then you're going to go put it on and then uh, proclaim to the people, this, <laughs> this is you, Jerusalem? I don't. I know a lot about the Bible, but I don't remember that. Yeah. But, well, well, Sorry, this, man. I don't think it's Jeremiah. Well, because Ebed-Melech, um, <laughs> it's just really fun. It's to, really fun. Ebed-Melech. Right? I encourage you right now to just say it along with it. Ebed-Melech. You got it. And if Thomas Smith is listening to this, he's the one that taught me how to per- correctly pronounce um the the Hebrew letter, but it, you have to act like a cat who's hacking up a hairball. Ibeld melech. So imagine that's good. That feels it, it feels on. good. Yeah. Um, I hate cats though. Well, I like cat T-shirts, <laughs> especially if it has a cat like with lasers coming out of its eyes and what? sunglasses on. Don't make me edit this. <laughs> well, this is the thing is that is that the next thing you do is Ebed Melech yes. has to um, go and get like old old clothes and he throws them down and he says, yeah. "Put them underneath your armpits, yeah, and then to to cushion you to dry you up." And and if this is the one, then then that's actually a really beautiful thing because yeah. what what it's showing is this rotten clothes that are old 
are actually a beautiful good thing that's then happening for him. It's, it's true. A, it's a bad con- it's a bad connection no. if it's not true that he had to use the underwear thing. Well, it's it's still kind of a neat scene. The fact that they're putting the rags under his arms. It it there there is another scene in the book of Jeremiah, and I I wish I had I have a, I have a great little roadmap of the book of Jeremiah that I was just kind of looking at before I came up here, and I left it down in my office, but. There's this great scene where, where God asks Jeremiah. It's in the midst of the whole city being burned and destroyed. God says, "Hey, I want you to go purchase a plot of land. Find, you know, find your Remax agent and go buy this little plot of land over there." And he, as the city is burning around him, so you probably get a good deal on it. But he's like, "That's ridiculous." But God says, "Okay, go and buy this little plot of land, and then I want you to take the the deed to it, and I want you to hide it away as sort of a sign." That although Jerusalem is in flames and this is being taken away from you, there is still hope. There's going to be a time when that deed actually means something because this is still your home. You will come back. It is still going to be your homeland. It's kind of a beautiful scene. In the midst of all the suffering, there is actually hope on the horizon. Yeah. So, and and the, the beautiful thing about Jeremiah, you don't get much insight into what's going on in Jeremiah's head here. But the one thing we do know about Jeremiah all throughout this book is that despite all of these terrible things that are happening to him, and there's a lot of terrible things that happen to him, he never loses faith. He gets frustrated and he gets disheartened, but he always recognizes that God's going to somehow pull me out of this. It's like Daniel in the lion's den, right? Yeah. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. There's this yeah. confidence that God's going to save me from this somehow, yeah. which is exactly what the psalm speaks to. So that's kind of a good segue into the psalm. Well, you know, I, well, yeah, there's there's that, but there's the word Meyer, and we actually have to remember this because there there's this little moat that's outside of our student center. Oh yeah, that um that has, that's where the fence that always gets kicked in. Right yeah, ex- exactly, and and there's this little there's this little area where once the waters go away from the summertime and it's everything starts to dry up, there's just this kind of muck. There's <coughs> Meyer at the bottom of this thing. Yeah. And one time, one of our students threw Matt Botker's coffee mug in the mire. One time, Father John Neppel and Bo, oh, yes. Bo Wagner threw each other into the mire. <laughs> Didn't they have to get tetanus shots? Then, then they 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 came out of it, and a girl smelled them and puked back into the mire. No, oh, yeah, did yeah, yeah, she yeah. literally? Yeah, yeah, she yacked. <laughs> Lola yacked into the mire. And but this oh, is the no. thing: is that is that mire is disgusting. It's horrible. It yeah. smells bad, even if it's not poo poo. Kaka, it is still totally disgusting, and so th- that's actually what leads us into the 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 um to to the fortieth uh, psalm. Yeah, Psalm forty. He drew me from the desolate pip out of the miry bog. Did you say pip? He drew me from the desolate. Drew me pip. from the pip. Pip. <laughs> <laughs> he drew me from having to watch the musical Pippin one more time. Wasn't there a a piece of literature where the main character was was Pip? Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Do you know what? I've never read that. I mean, good I, book. there's there's a lot of expectation that I have with that book. <laughs> That's well done. Thank you. Thank you. So I saw something on Facebook. So today is the Feast of the Assumption. I'm uh-huh. reading this, and I saw something on Facebook this morning. It's like, I, I assume you're all having a happy feast day. Come on. It's terrible. Dude, I, you know, for the person who isn't having a happy feast day, we dedicate Psalm 40 to you. Oh, yeah. But this person in Psalm 40 trusts that the Lord will save them from their terrible feast day that they're having. (laughs) Which, Dude, every once in a while, you just get a gnarly one. Um, I don't really have much to say other than the fact that the one who puts their trust in the Lord gets help. Period. Yeah, and I mean... I have never seen it disproven. No. 
I, I'm I'm sure I haven't either. Although that's an interesting point to bring up. I, I'm sure I haven't. I, I've never seen it disproved in my life. I've, I think there's a lot of people that think that that's not true. Yeah, I mean, the the timing is always different than what Timing's we Timing is always different. Sometimes the answers and the help comes in a form that we're not necessarily expecting or looking for. Yeah. It's always there. I mean, th- this is the thing. I mean, there's the spiritual reality, but there's also just the textual reality, the literary reality that this is. I mean, I can picture Jeremiah saying this as he's sitting down in the cistern. I mean, that that's what totally, the beautiful too. connection here is. I mean, you get this story, you get the narrative of Jeremiah, and then you get this insight into this This is possibly what's going on in his heart and in his head. And I, it, 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 it really brings these readings alive for me a little bit. It brings does. them alive a little bit. A lot. A little bit. A little bit. Don't make me But then he put a new song into my mouth. New th- That actually came up last week, didn't it? Wasn't there a, a theme song, about a new song? It was. The, the idea of the new Exodus. Remember, everything relates to the Exodus? You can't get away from it, man. Dude, it everything is Exodus. Everything is Exodus. So the new song, what is the new song? Well, if you're a Hebrew person, I think the reference point for a new song is the song of Miriam, the song they're singing as they come through the, the waters of the Red Sea in their greatest moment of salvation to date as Hebrew people before Jesus does what he does. I mean, all of this kind of ties to that. So God will save us. That's the, that's, I mean, that's the principal meaning of the Exodus story is that God's going to save us, which is what Jeremiah is waiting for, which is what the psalm is speaking to. And that's actually what the next two readings are going are gonna to point to. Segway. So Hebrews. Hebrews. Do you know that you made the joke twice in the last? And I, I, it's all I can do to not make it again right I now. Know, I know. I'm, I'm forced. Can you see myself. it in my eyes? I, I, can you feel it in my heart? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I can actually. How does Moses make his coffee? Hey, brews ah! it. <laughs> it's a good one. Come it on. really is, but it, it's it's actually as soon as you as soon as you tag into it, it's almost there's no coming back. No, no, and why would you want to? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Hebrews twelve, Hebrews at twelve. That's all I can hear now. <laughs> My mind is tainted. Um, so that we, is true. No. I think the last couple of weeks we've been in Hebrews 11. Is that correct? Yes. Which, so Hebrews 11, yeah, we have. So Hebrews 11 is this long litany, basically, of the this this um, this list of the heroes of the Bible, all these great saints that have come and gone. In the Old Testament saints, you know, Old Testament heroes who had this faith in something that they could not see. They couldn't see how Jesus was actually going to fulfill all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, how he's going to fulfill all the promises given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the rest. And, and unless you actually know the context of Hebrews 11, which is leading into Hebrews 12, which is that the, first line doesn't make sense. I know, because it's the great salvific history. It's it's the rundown of salvific history. Exactly. Yeah, also, exactly. No, also known as salvation history. Salvific. <laughs> that is a salvific way of talking about salvation. This is the salvific history. This is the salvific <laughs> Um, brothers and sisters, so since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, well, what, what great a cloud of witnesses? Well, the witnesses that it just talked about in the previous chapter, which again, this is the brilliance of the church. We've been reading about them for the last two weeks. So the same cloud of witnesses that you've been hearing about the last two Sundays, that one. So the church is kind of tapping into your, your recent memory. Man, I, I, that's what we hope that Well, I, that's what they're trying. That's, that's what she's that's trying That's what to we're do. trying to do in this podcast right here is actually help people to have recent memory of the scriptures. Yeah, that's true. That's well. That's actually that's that's absolutely true. Blah, blah, blah. But it says, "Let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us, and persevere in running the race that lies before us." That's like Meyer. 
That is like that clings like to my, you. It makes oh, people want to puke. <laughs> That's true. You know, I mean, I don't want to get, I don't want to over spiritualize this, but I mean, I, I, as I'm reading that, I, I think of Jeremiah and the way that somebody like Jeremiah had to just empty himself of everything he thought about himself, everything he knew about himself, everything he'd hoped for himself is just totally stripped from him. He is hated. He is despised. They want to take his life from him. And he's just like, all right, go for it. Strip everything you want to throw me in the cistern. I'm going to be faithful to God. So in his being thrown into the mire, he's actually ridding himself in a certain sense Mm -hmm. of all that burden of who he thinks Mm -hmm. he is or who he might have wanted to be. Any prestige, right, in the eyes of the society. He's, he's stripped of it while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. He's not keeping, he doesn't know the name Jesus, but he is, I mean, what does Jesus mean? What does Yeshua mean in Hebrew? Do you remember? God saves. God saves. So what is he, what is, what is Jeremiah fixed on as he's in that cistern? The salvation Jesus. of God, yeah. He's fixed on Yeshua, God saving him. Ah. So even though he doesn't know that name, he is, oh, his eyes are fixed beautiful. on Jesus in a certain sense, which is a beautiful reality that all, I mean, this is what the church means when she says, all of the Old Testament is ultimately pointing ahead toward the new, and the new is speaking of the old. Yeah. Um, well, the, and that and that's the thing is that what we see we see Jesus more easily because we see Jeremiah. Exactly, exactly, and, and that's what the the function is because yeah. he was looking and trying to find Jesus. He was trying to find the salvation of God, and that's the cloud of witnesses. Yes. Is is Yeshua? That's that's actually this beautiful bind point. Actually, gosh, what an awesome, amazing bind yeah. this is yeah. to say those who trusted in Yeshua, the salvation of God, are brought up in Yeshua, in yes. the salvation of God, and made one in Yeshua, in the salvation. Yeah. It's really cool. There's a there's a, a line in the catechism or a, a paragraph in the catechism, a couple of paragraphs, that talks about how Jesus is the only name which actually is what it signifies. Oh. Like there's no other people who were named Jesus prior to him. There was Joshua, same name, but no one was ever God who was saving, who had the name God saves. Mm. He's the only person who is what his name actually means, which is just a beautiful reality. But that being what? Why are you laughing at me? No, I'm not laughing. You had something. You have something funny that you're going to make fun of me about. We have made a commitment to not edit this podcast. All right, fair enough. You can tell me afterwards. <laughs> All right, that's actually a good segue into. Oh, and, and by the way, this whole this whole reading ends. Consider how he endured such opposition from sinners in order that you may grow weary and not lose heart in your struggle against sin. Again, this is what's happening to Jeremiah as well, although he doesn't realize he is a foreshadowing of what's to come. Which again is very beautiful. And now that we're in Luke, that yep. we've transitioned, that's actually what Jesus <laughs> is talking about. Now that we've transitioned, now that <laughs> God <laughs> got it. Yep, got it. Got it. Good. Yep. Yep. I came to cast fire upon the earth. Would that it already be kindled. Yeah. I think I think this whole thing is I think this whole passage is fascinating. So here's what it says, just to trouble you before we get in. Jesus said to his disciples, I've come to set fire on the earth, how I wish it were already blazing. There's a baptism which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it's accomplished. Do you think that I've come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Boom. From now on, brother against brother and, and family against family and two divided, right? All this stuff. And you're like, wait, the what? Only, I thought Jesus was love. I thought he wanted to hold hands and sing around the campfire, right? What's uh, what's he talking about? I know. Well, this is the thing is that we, we actually have to look back to Jeremiah and an understanding about that. Yes. 
And we actually have to look at what it means to experience salvation in the midst of the world because yes. it's not going to win you popularity and no. make you friends. No. But it will inflame you with joy at the knowledge of what will come. Yeah. It's not a, it, it's an eschatological reality for those of you who don't know what that means. It's not um, a scatological reality. Like I, when I was little, I'm not trying to add it. When I, when I was little, I heard eschatology talked about and I thought it was scatological. And then I found out that means something else. It, it does. Eschatology <laughs> means eschaton. It's the revealing, right? Isn't that, isn't yeah, that yeah, eschaton? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. The Greek is something, it's more technical than that. Well, the Greek word for to reveal or to unveil is apocalypsis. A cup of, uh, so I'm trying to. <laughs> 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 uh, es, I don't know. I, I can't remember what it is. I think, I think it actually is the root of, of the end. I think, I think it does have to do with, I think, I think it's not necessarily revealing or unveiling. That's apocalypsis, but it is actually the ending of something, but yeah. I'm not entirely sure. It's es- eschaton parasitic. I'm ignorant of all sorts of things in this podcast today. Dude, now you know what it feels like to be me when I talk to you. Remember <laughs> oh, how you go Socratic whatever, on me? Dude. Except for I do Socratic stuff for This you, is our I, day off. I it's just, a feast day. <laughs> it's a feast day. Uh-oh. Can't be expected to think I know. through these things. I no, I can. Know. I can. I'm sorry. Let's drop that. No, it's so crazy to think that, like, well... I actually recommended somebody who was uh, not Christian at all. Um, I said, why don't you just read a gospel? I mean, heck, this has changed everything. She came back to me. She was like, um, this is really violent and filled with conflict. I thought- The gospels? God, yeah. I thought God was like love. Ooh. Because if you see, it's like, it's like Jesus is like constantly facing off and in total conflict the entire time That's with totally all true. those who are trying to present- an inaccurate, inauthentic picture of who God is and what salvation is. And, it's and, it's and, not and what the, people and, think he is. And what people... the cult is, the cult in the sense of, of, of the worship of God. Yeah. Cultus, culture. Um, yeah, Jesus is, is not the person people think that he is. No, he's he not. I mean, but it just shows you how few people have actually read the Gospels. Who talk, How many people talk about Jesus, but who have actually not read anything about what he actually did? Or said he's a tough brother. He's a tough brother, and he he, it's a, it's a wild it's a wild ride. Oh, escato. Oh, es- sorry. Es- <laughs> Talk to me. Um, es- escatos means last, and and logos. It's combined with the word logos, which <laughs> oh. means the study of. So the study of the last. Well, no wonder escatology. No wonder you confuse escatologos. Escatologos would be scatological humor. <laughs> with right. the eschaton, because it's talking about the end of things as well. Oh, seriously. Let's stop that train of thought right now. <laughs> All right, no edit. Um, but here, here's two other things about this. Um, first of all, when he says, I have come to set fire on the earth and how I wish it were already, already blazing, I think the thing that's fascinating about that, now he's going to go on from that point to talk about all this division and all this hardship, or you know, this fighting that's going to come from that. Jesus talks about fire in a lot of different ways in the gospel. The scriptures talk about fire in different ways. You can talk mm. about the fires of punishment. Yeah. But you also talk about the fire of God's burning love, his divine <laughs> burning love. Hunk of hunk of burning love. <laughs> but you know what I mean? The, 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 the burning love. I, I can't think of any other way to say that. <laughs> his burning love. His burning love. Let's just talk about the, the consuming fire. You know, he, his love is, is a consuming fire. So there's a lot of different meanings of what that, what, what does he mean by that fire? I don't know exactly, but there's a lot of different ways that that fire can manifest itself. Well, I think it's the Holy Spirit in a very oh, clear way. He says, I absolutely. wish that we were already on fire right. with the Spirit, yo. Right, right. 
But, but I think in the context of all the rest of the stuff he talks about, we automatically, well, at least I do, automatically assume that's a negative thing. Yeah. That this fire is being poured on the earth. And I, I've heard, you know, a lot of fundamentalists read this like, I, I wish the judgment were already happening on the earth now because of all this stuff. Well, that's you, not you, what he's saying, though. You, you think of um, uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah with right. the fire right, exactly. and brimstone. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the other thing. So, so he says that there's this fire, which which is the way God's love is often described. Fire. <laughs> but he talks about the baptism with which he much, the baptism, <laughs> with my, the <laughs> baptism with which he must be <laughs> baptized. Um, and we we know later on in the Gospels, he he actually says to the to the disciples, remember they want the throne. Remember, it's in Mark when the the two James and John want the thrones at his right and his left hand. And he says to them, can you be baptized with the baptism with which I am to be baptized? Water. He's re- <laughs> He's water. Fire. Stop. Water. Stop that. <laughs> but, I mean, his baptism, is, he's talking about it, is his crucifixion. It is. And his ang- he's actually anguishing until his crucifixion is accomplished. He's going to be anguishing during the crucifixion, but he just wants to... He wants this to be accomplished. But then but then when he says next, this is where it gets weird. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, households will be divided and blah, 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 blah. He doesn't ever say in this. we got to be careful because he never says it's my intention. I hope that everyone's divided. I hope that no. you know I want them to be in division. He simply states the fact that the reality is my presence is going to do this. That yes. is the reality. Yes. It's not that I'm trying to do this or I want to do this or I desire to do this. He simply says it is. And I think that's a very important point. God doesn't want our families to be divided amongst themselves. But he says it's just a reality because we are in a broken world and that brokenness is going to cause divisions among people like it did in the time of Jeremiah. Yes. Because he's he's being divided and people are divided. Even kingdoms are divided over this. Um, you know, Ebed-Melech is, is divided with the kings, Zedekiah at the time, and they're fighting with each other about this. It's simply the reality of what it means um, to experience truth. You either reject it or you follow it and and the camps fight with each other. And and we you do everything in your power to try to make it um, palatable the the truth, but there is a right. certain point in which the truth just is divisive. The truth hurts, Father. The truth hurts. You can't handle the truth. I man, talk about an all-time line right there, man. That's yeah. like that is a good line, and he screams it. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. You warned us that was coming. Yeah. No, you warned us the the nose blowing was coming. Yeah, I did a little bit did. of that you while you were talking. No, I I caught it. Did you say I blew it? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, ah, you blew it. Well, you guys, I really am happy that you're here. Don't be afraid to um to follow after the Lord, even if it means claiming the truth. If 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 it hurts and and it actually brings it, it, it infli- uh, inflicts suffering upon you, because that's the other thing that you have to look is that both Jeremiah and Jesus. Hmm. They didn't go to inflict. They did not use truth as a weapon. Right. But they proclaimed the truth, hoping that they would be uh, uh, acclimated. It would be right. assumed to them. And right. then when it was not, they suffered the consequences themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and 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 that because yeah. that's that's always the hard thing. It's like in this time where you, uh, we think that um, we can, uh, we're so polemic uh, in our political lives uh, that it becomes very difficult to have a shepherd's heart yeah. to say you know how do i actually present this in such a way where somebody can it can be an intelligible and good thing for them right. in all sorts of the the social hot button issues in um in just the truth of who jesus christ is to just 
say, no, this is actually something that is good that will set you free and fill you with joy. Yes. Even if it brings sufferings to you. Because that's the other hard thing. It's like, why do all the people who um, reject Jesus and reject Jeremiah and his word is because if they say yes to it, it's going to imply that something is going to be hard for them. And it's like um, the dead Kennedys say, give me convenience or give me death. A lot of that's the thing. That that, is the mantra. That's that's a spirit. It's like and and that that we have to say no. We are willing to follow after the Lord. It's kind of like the the peloton uh, in in a bike race. It's like Hmm. that that first guy. He's taking the wind, and everybody's everybody's following everybody's, suit behind, or or a hmm. flock of seagulls. Um, you know that 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 first one. The band. Is, the, yes. <laughs> no, the <laughs> hairstyle, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Flock of seagulls with the new hair. Yeah, that first one is like breaking the wind. Yes. Kind. Of <laughs> <laughs> Just move on. Keep going. Keep going. Plow through. Plow through. That's what they're doing, and we're following in the peloton in the flock. In in their broken wind, and in the, in the in the path of Jesus, <laughs> yes. who who breaks the wind for us, so that we can live in Him, in Him, and He us. leads the way. He, he, leads, the he way. leads the way. He does it for, and He doesn't just lead the way, but He actually He takes it. He takes the whole thing. I mean, there's that great line in Romans. Why did? <laughs> When I was when I was a pro, when I was more in Protestant circles, I used to believe Jesus took on the punishment of the cross so that we didn't have to. Yep. But the reality, what Scripture actually says, is Jesus took on the cross so that we could, so that we will be able to. Mm. Not that it's going to disappear, but He takes it on first, so that we can actually have the ability to do it, so that we can have that courage, which is very good news. So, friends, thank you for listening today. Keep it real. Don't fake the funk. No, don't fake the funk. Whatever you do, don't fake the funk. Pray for our students here at the University of Colorado who are going to be arriving as we speak right now when you are listening to this next week. Pray for the ministers who will minister to them. Indeed. And pray for us, please. Pray for for a particular intention for those uh, who come to college. 80% of uh, Catholics leave their faith in college. Mm. And so there's about 80% of them that are going to hit this campus and they'll be like, freedom. That's true. And um, pray for those. Yeah. Pray for those 80 because um, I'm after them. Yeah. I'm going to hunt them down. We're going to get them. And I'm going I'm to get them holy. All right. Send us an email. Link you guys at thomascenter.org. Find us on Facebook. Um, pin us on Pinterest. Keep it real. All right. Bye. See you next week, guys. Good Bye-bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.